Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Indie Football Podcast. This week I'm joined by sports editor Ben Burrows, chief football writer Miguel Delaney and football reporter Jack Rathbourne and what a week it has been. Only last Wednesday we recorded a podcast examining Tottenham's next nine games in detail and now because of the coronavirus pandemic football seasons across the entire planet have been suspended throwing the sport into chaos. This week we're going to talk a little bit about the impact all of this is going to have on the calendar. Uh, some of the various reactions to the crisis, as well as explaining how we plan on covering football for the next few weeks and months when there isn't any football on. Uh, Miguel, should we start with you and kind of have a, a kind of look at the English domestic season? Um, what are the latest developments and, and how do you think it's all going to pan out at this stage? So everything is basically dependent on what you for the side that will give everyone the framework from which to work off. And there is a bit of delay at all levels of football because they have been cock-cold by this, uh, pun absolutely not intended. Um, they have been they cock-cold by the speed at which this has taken over the game. I mean, it's it's only a week ago. I feel, it feels so quaint now that we're kind of, you know, in madness now, really happily kind of going along and watching yeah. Liverpool against Atletico and thinking everything was going to continue on to some degree of normality. That was very quickly proven to be a joke. Um, but key to all of this, I mean, postponing the Euros is one thing because it will at least unlock space in the calendar. But just as important is what they decide to do with the Champions League, whether they end it at a certain point or let it go on indefinitely. Because ultimately, if they do decide to end the 2019-2020 Champions League at some point, it means that all domestic issues pretty much have to be settled for any new Champions League season next year, which is then when we get into issues like who wins domestic titles, who qualifies for the next Champions League, do you revert to the start of this season? Uh, so that's where we're at, that's why it's, it's very much up in the air at the moment, and why there's so, I mean, from the last, from everything we've heard from the last few days in English football, they've been trying to uh, pose a lot of potential solutions. We wrote on Saturday that one of them was about um, how... They're going to see if they can play July to September and truncate next season. But even that, even if that were agreed upon, it would immediately encounter difficulties if UEFA decided to, no, we're going to, just going to end this season in uh, in July or end 1920 in July. I mean, you say about how quickly all of this is kind of developed. It's also crazy that on Friday we heard about um, all elite level football in England being suspended and the date that was suggested it would return was early April. But I mean, already that's looking like that's a complete pipe dream. Well, yeah, as Mick said, it's sort of it's the speed of this whole thing is sort of taking everyone aback and obviously taken uh, has made it so difficult to deal with. And I think football is obviously just a tiny, tiny, tiny portion of that. I mean, yeah, April is a pipe dream, it would appear. And when they decided that on Thursday evening slash Friday morning, 
the world looked a lot different then. And even since then, it's just all changed again. I think April the 4th is what it says. It's what it is right now. It just That doesn't seem like it's got any chance at all. Blackburn. Blackburn, baby. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. First first game, Blackburn back. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be delayed long after that. And that sort of has so many ramifications, as Mig said, into sort of how you start next season, if you start next season. Um, it's just an unprecedented situation. Well, I did just to add before Ratho comes in... Um, I, I do think that that date of April 4th was just a time-buying exercise. It, yeah. it, ma- it made yeah. sense to a degree because it was, from a convenience perspective in terms of buying time, because it was when they were supposed to be back from the international break. Yeah. But it's uh, I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. No. Well, yeah, the April date does seem to be an arbitrary date because you have other leagues around the world, such as the NBA, who have loosely penciled in sometime mid-June for their return. So it could be anything at this stage. And I think maybe we should sway away from deciding when we're going to come back and maybe look at how teams can can manage the health of their, their players, how they can return to training safely and how eventually the public can be able to enjoy mass gatherings at sporting events and, and other, other events too before we even think about yeah, exact, the exact time where we want to come back and finish this season. You're thinking strictly domestically for a moment, at- what what solution to finishing the season do we think would generate the least legal challenges? Christ, um, I mean the only way really is to play, is play attempt See to play out, in some way, yeah. which is at this point looks logistically impossible. Uh, if you decide to just end the season now, probably the, probably the only way out without legal challenge is if. They ended it now, relegated no one, and potentially promoted teams. But then, of course, I mean, the promotion thing is almost as messy because like, Fulham still, have, I think, on the right side, they still have to play both West Brom and Leeds. Mm-hmm. So you can't just bring them both up. Mm. Um, like there's, there's there's grounds there for kind of complications. Um, it really does feel like the only way you can do it is somehow, even if it's playing games every two days at some point, mm. whatever it is, you just have to play the games. Like. Even if the season is sort of, it changes the sort of how you see it afterwards. I feel feel like we're already past that point anyway. So regardless of sort of what, I mean, Liverpool aren't going to lose the league. They're going to win anyway. But like it it would change how the league looks at the bottom end for sure. But it feels like the only way is actually you can't decide leagues in a courtroom in Lausanne. You have to decide them on the pitch somehow, even if that's in front of no fans or whatever, that's preferable to not deciding them at all to me anyway. Um, I think you have to finish the matches. Like I said, even if that's playing ten games in a fortnight, at some point, just to get it get it get it done, so you can then have qualification for the Europa League starting in I mean, whatever it is, June, July. Usually, you're gonna have to do something to get it done. And I mean, we'll move on to it. But I mean, obviously, we should say at this point that none of this actually matters because it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only football and sport. So like, obviously, the priority of everybody is making sure everyone's safe before the relative triviality of whether sporting leagues get finished or not. Um, obviously, it means a great deal to a great little pe- lot of people. But, yeah, the reason that they're banning mass gathering isn't, isn't so that Liverpool fans can't see their team win the title. It's because then it's a public health disaster. So. Um, speaking of stuff that doesn't matter, Karen Brady wrote in The Sun that she thinks the season should be null and void. Um, obviously, there's been a huge kind of debate about whether Liverpool deserve the title, um, whether they should be awarded the title. Where do we all stand on that? I find it quite boring because it's... it's, it's Blindingly obvious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we've all basically accepted since, essentially, since they beat Leicester four 0 before that they are the champions, basically. And right, they haven't done it mathematically yet, but come on, 
Mm. Like, like, <laughs> as uh, as Jonathan Liu once of this parish noted on Twitter, <laughs> noted on Twitter, he basically said, "Yeah, it's it, you'd have you could admire the sort of the Machiavellian tendencies of Karen Karen Brady yeah. if they weren't so unbelievably <laughs> shit at it." Well, I, I did I did see a, a tweet that went around the last few days. In which one of the kind of the analytics uh, groups and something put up uh, of fifty thousand possible permutations from this model, there is now no scenario from which Liverpool win the, uh, the, the title. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing given what it, what, what this actually entails: zero, a seriousness of a global pandemic. And yet, <laughs> oh, oh, we've got a scenario. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking, weren't we, the, uh, on Friday? We might do a piece about how arguably one of the greatest seasons ever has had. What one of the worst months in football history? Well, I, I mean, if you're, especially if they don't actually win it, which I, I still think they'll they'll get it some way. To be fair, but yeah, I mean, if you were looking for some sort of karmic um, retribution that I mean, for let's say thirty years of success thirty years ago, this is almost it. I mean, the way the way it's so long for this, they're over N- the course of winning yeah, last year. Yeah, I haven't gone. Yeah, the pain of not winning it last year. So then. They have a season where they're obviously the best. They're like they're on course to shatter everything. They, they, mm. It's it's so blindingly clear they're going to win the title. Then just when they get close to it, there's the, the potential growth is going to be taken away. And in the month when that starts to happen, all this bubbles, they have to endure results which shouldn't put everything in doubt because they've gone out of the well, League Cup in December, FA, FA Cup. Uh, and Champions League and lost lo- in the league and lost in the league so that, the, the last memory of the season is a defeat yeah. as, they, four, as, they, as they're de- denied four a defeats tight. in five or whatever yeah. it ends up being which is a, given that yeah like Mick said they're going to break every conceivable record all the points records goal scoring records gap at the top earliest title win mm. all these things they're actually going to get the light, latest title win by yeah. a mile no one's ever been crowned champions in August before. <laughs> of all the stupid stuff I've seen on Twitter in the last few days, I think probably the most stupid has to be the Blackpool. Oh, argument. yeah. That was easy, wasn't it? The great well, yeah, essentially because Black, what, Blackpool played three games yeah. and, were, and were top and they didn't get the title, then that, that mm. means Liverpool don't deserve it after playing the majority of the season. Yeah, I just think it's it's, it's a shame in terms of their, their on-the-pitch on um, yeah. results recently because it does detract somewhat from their, their sheer dominance as Miguel said there's, there's no argument to suggest otherwise that they haven't been the best team in England this season and I think you mentioned before about the Champions League obviously they're not in it now it's tricky to know how they, they work the way mm. through that specific calendar of fixtures because of the finals in, in itself I mean will Athens be ready to, to host another game month, months months mm. after they were meant to I mean I'm not too sure I guess We'll look, we'll look to see how they, they unfold this. But in terms of Liverpool, I just think by hook or crook, they, they do have to be given the opportunity to finalise it on on, yeah. on paper. And I think eventually they will. In the Premier League, I suppose the one thing they can get them out is that it's it's a members' organisation they've all signed up to. So if, if all these issues are put to a vote and there's a 14-club majority, then you know it does at least create a legal argument. Now, the flip side is, I suppose, that the Premier League have actually done this willingly. It's not like, I mean, I, I remember hearing last week that one of the ways, that, that, or one of the reasons they were even saving off is because they could prevent a whole load of complications by purely going on government advice. Right. And the government hasn't yet actually banned uh, gatherings of over a certain amount of people, have they? As of yeah. when we're recording it, about three that could, that could, on, that could well change on Monday. Too, yeah. I think about an hour that might change again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, they were sort of the Premier League's hands was. I mean, the ridiculousness of the whole situation is that they'd sort of released a statement at 
about nine o'clock on Thursday, which suggested that all the games were about to go ahead mm-hmm. on the weekend as planned. And then an hour later, a manager got that coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. And then at half past 10, they just decided they were going to have an emergency meeting in the morning. And then which everyone knew was in gonna... between those two things, one of Chelsea's best players got, mm-hmm. the, got coronavirus. Yeah. And then they were forced again. It's sort of, we sort of talked about it off air a little bit that not to go too uh, party political, but sort of it's, it's felt a bit like the leagues and players have had to take this whole thing into their own hands yeah. because governments and stuff and governing bodies aren't going to make a decision for them. So, like, effectively, the entirety of Arsenal Football Club going into quarantine mm. sort of forces the Premier League to shut down, yeah, yeah. even if they didn't want to already, which, I mean, who knows? But it's sort of a... There's quite a lot of sort of player club power in all of this that they sort of... T- at a certain point, they've just turned around and said, we aren't going to do this anymore. Mm. And that sort of does play into... At some point, whenever they decide to come back, this might come up again because they, the Premier League might say, all right, let's come back on July the 10th. But then Arsenal and Tottenham and Brighton might say, well, I don't think we're ready to play on July the 10th. We want to play later on. So yeah. it's sort of, it's there's so much, I mean, something that various people have written, but it's sort of the only certainty in sport right now is uncertainty. No one, no one, this is a completely unprecedented scenario and no one has, there's no, perfect way out of it and no one really knows how we are going to get out of it yet. did feel like the Premier League their belated decision was um, not exactly that they did the right thing it was more that they felt obliged eventually to do the, the, the common the common decision throughout the entirety of like the sporting world I mean they were late to the party and the fact that it did take the, the incredible news of Mikel Arteta contracting the, the virus I think it's shown up their their lack of authority on on issues bigger than the sport. We're not exactly sure when this podcast is going to go out yet, but um, as we were walking in, and we're recording this on Monday, Miguel, you heard some news about the European Championships. Did you want do you want to make yeah. a into that? Yeah, uh, well, I think it's it, this probably isn't time sensitive because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Euro twenty twenty is going to be postponed. Uh, there, I suppose there were two options they were looking at: one for potentially winter, uh, another one for next summer, which I think is probably likelier. Um, How the hell would next winter work? Or this winter? Yeah, the, the issues that would create. Unless, unless there was unless some... you just scrap the se- uh, scrap a new season. Or, or they'd have a truncated league, uh, season where it's only going to... They only game. play... Yeah. Only play each other once. 19 yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. You just have to accept that... Well, but you have it would odd... be more than 19 though, wouldn't it? Because... Surely yeah. if more teams you come up... Leeds and West Brom. Yeah. Well, it depends. And of course, it's for yeah. the rest of Europe as well. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's it. So that's what that's what highlights how difficult all this is, really, because the Premier League are sort of acting in their own interest as they should, but yeah. they aren't in a vacuum, are they? So like, UEFA are trying to control these various member associations mm-hmm. that they inherently can't control because which, well, which has a lot of power blocks of its own. Yeah, precisely. So it's sort of like they're trying to sort of unilaterally make something that works for everybody, and yeah. by definition, it, it can't. A really throwaway comment. I can't remember who made it. It was a really throwaway comment last week. Maybe it was Tony. Um, talking about how if the Euros got pushed back to next summer, there's going to be a UEFA versus FIFA face-off with the Club World Cup. Yeah, I mean, sure. that's now I mean, fascinating. Sure, yeah, I was thinking that myself. Surely FIFA have to forget that idea. Yeah. Like, I mean, it'd be just irresponsibility of the highest order. Uh, what does this yeah. mean for the Qatar World Cup as well? Uh, probably not that much, actually. And, and suddenly, the Qatar World Cup being in the winter is actually a good thing because it takes stress off the calendar. Well, it's that, it's that, yeah, it's that slightly bit further mm. away, which yeah. I think is what, at this point, is everybody would prefer mm. that. I mean, there's a weird situation where you could end up with sort of all the leagues lining up so that 
playing the World Cup in November is actually the absolute perfect mm. time to play it, which is, which, given the decade or near enough that we've sort of built up to this a hugely controversial event, mm. would be wild if it turned out to be the absolute perfect thing for world football. I doubt that still, but we'll see. It is utterly mad how the next three years of football have changed in the last three days. I know. I can't get my head around it. It's yeah. genuinely... Well, I mean, again, it's just, it's the... The, 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 the creeping and it's like bankruptcy it comes uh, gradually then suddenly mm. which was eventually the same with the with the coronavirus news and again the, the fact that we were about a week ago hoping that less than that actually thinking that somehow the season could be completed which has again been just illustrated to be madness yeah um, but yeah Christ I think the, the players do need clarity right because if you look at that two and a half three year calendar they need to know when to peak and yeah yeah and so like maybe they do need to just totally switch off for the next two months treat it like a, a premature summer holiday and then be given a month's note yeah. or a, we'll need at least a month's notice before we maybe even resume the 1920 season to sort of yeah. have that pre-season and get that fitness back they're not going to be able to play games at the click of the fingers are they? I mean even from that perspective as well um, I would say like this is obviously again obviously inconsequential in the grand scheme of things, but just I, I suppose I think it stresses how profound this is, or how profound the, the seriousness this is in the entire history of the European Cup since 1955. We just had a, we've had an unbroken string of winners. Mm. Now we have, do have the danger for the first time in history, which isn't happening. That something that's happened with the with the football league given two world wars, but we could have an empty year. Uh, I mean, I guess the the sort of the only suggestion I've seen so far for the sort of the we've not really mentioned the sort of the solution to mm. Europa and Champions League is sort of one-off semi-finals yeah. and finals in one place over about three or four days. I mean, mm. I don't know, I can't even, I can't even compute how that would look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be, I mean, in, in theory, I suppose. A Nations League, Champions League. A Nations League, League Champions League. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I mean, Mix Mix is now Mix is now, <laughs> Mix is now turned his turned, changed his mind entirely. Right. Ben, can I please go to this? Yeah. <laughs> Turkey, you say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be entirely different to anything we've ever seen. It's something that I know that in rugby league, in the NRL, there's the suggestion that they move all twelve or fourteen teams to um, somewhere in the north of the country where it's not as bad. Have one stadium behind closed doors, and they play all the games in one stadium, all on TV. I mean, that these are the crazy. sort. That's these very, are, that's very Mad Max. It is, yeah. But these are all the sort. These are the sort of level of wild solutions these clubs are having to, or leagues are having to come to, sort of on the fly. It's yeah. sort of a. It's and again, like that. That was a suggestion on say Friday. That will probably now be completely knocked out by Monday. Yeah. Um. Just before we head to the break, Miguel, I wanted to ask you. Um. Contractually, you know, where does this leave players if their contract is up in the summer? And the season then extends. Does the contract still end on that yeah, day? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the big issue is that you can't stop a player leaving 30th of June if his contract's up 30th of June. I mean, and there's going to be they're going to try all sorts of ways to figure out this, but ultimately it's contract law. Yeah, um, it's going to create issues. And again, again, so it's one more thing hanging over um, discussions. I was onto an agent about the other day who's kind of been trying to sort out these exact issues. He he was arguing that one of the bigger problems will actually come in in terms of loans. Uh, that 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 could be a more. Pro- yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, the contract is 30th of June. Contract's 30th of June. Okay, uh, time for an advert, um, and we'll have more of the same misery after the break. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week we are talking about coronavirus. Uh, that's probably going to be the case for the next few weeks. Uh, and from a strictly football perspective, one of the most concerning things about the pandemic is uh, the future of clubs all the way at the other end of the domestic pyramid and how smaller clubs are going to survive this. Um, let's start with you, Ben. Uh, do you fear for, for national league teams and non-league teams? And is there any real kind of hope at this point? I mean, it's not... It, it's doesn't bear thinking about really, does it? If you look at the sort of what happened to the likes of Berry already, and that was with games every week um these clubs rely an incredible amount on gate receipts and match day revenue they also rely a lot on renting their facilities out to like local businesses and stuff mm. during the during the week when there's no games and these are all things that they can no longer do um you mean there's been a, a number of owners have already come out and spoken publicly saying they fear that clubs are going to go to the wall because of this and it's hard not to not to just to disagree with them um it's something that we've talked about recently with Miguel's big couple of features on the sort of the state of modern football but it does feel like that sort of the need for solidarity payments is almost like more pressing and more paramount than it's ever been right now because a lot of clubs in that 92 who the vast majority of things that Miguel's written about at length they were already struggling up to this point and that's when they could rely on matches every week mm. now they're not going to be able to for at least I mean it's looking like two three four months I mean, there could be a string of clubs go the same way as Berry, which is great and completely out of their hands. It's crazy. It's scary because um, a few years ago when the new Spurs ground was being built, um, I spoke to the architect and he spoke about how a massive part of the business strategy and the model was, you know, having the big concerts and having the NFL and right to the level of they let people go into the media workroom during the week and it's a, a functioning yeah. cafe. And that's one of the richest clubs in the country. So if you take away, you know, a non-league team being able to rent out the pitch or a, a hall or anything like that, it's just, it's, it doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, totally, yeah. That's a, um, and again, I, I remember like, we talked about this on Friday with people that even Premier League clubs, they can't indefinitely weather these things either, which points to uh, the issue for... Mm for lower league clubs uh, I, I, I think a club like Villa if this was, was went on could be in trouble which again just um, not, not not to refocus back to the Premier League but I think that just puts makes it how st- or illustrates how stark it is for uh, any, anyone below a certain level which I mean if you if you look at the, the the ratio between turnover and wages in so many lower league clubs this, this could be like I, I mean again we wrote about this back in May last year Football was facing potential reckoning. It was going to be. It was more over the medium term because of uh, 
crowd trends and kind of like kids like not really being so invested in their local club. But this could be just another thing that this whole issue hurries along. Mm. And it's, it's it's depressing how your your big piece, which we did did a separate podcast about, I think. Mm. Um, you you know you wrote about how clubs aren't going to survive in this current environment, and now we've got a situation like this. Now, mm. how the hell do you kind of bounce away from that? It kind of puts into perspective a decision from the the non-league clubs last weekend to go ahead. Yeah. It, felt re- it felt like a reckless yeah. decision from everybody at the top who is just focused on elite level football and just focused mm. on the, the health of the, the country. But you can understand why some did, given there was no governmental decision, there was no leadership from the top to prevent them from doing so. They obviously did go ahead with doing it, knowing that not only would they lock in one extra week of revenue from gate receipts, but potentially they, they may mm. have doubled their gate revenue for that particular week because Premier League, Championship League One, League Two fans were attending mm. these games because they didn't have a didn't have a game for their own team that weekend. So have people changed their minds on that or do we still think it was a dumb decision? It's tricky, isn't it? I sort of I sort of it's I can see both sides. Mm. I can pl- I completely understand why they tried to get and they can fall back on the government and them saying there's yeah. no there's no mass gatherings and obviously there's mass gatherings and there's mass gatherings, there's gonna be less people at a non-league game than there are going to be at an Arsenal game. Uh, there, there, did you see reports that were putting bumper non-league crowds this weekend, the highest ever? Well, exactly. So I, I, can, I can understand why <laughs> they went to try and so do same that. Same as Rugby League, right? Yeah. Rugby League did the same thing. They're not alone. Cheltenham was on for an entire week. So I can understand why they've tried to do it. And, and in <laughs> Cheltenham's got that excuse. Well, no, yeah, exactly. That's well, a slightly different thing entirely. I mean, but with, with the non-league thing, I mean, you can apply this argument to basically... Because, I, I, you know... I'm, I'm, I've seen a cup in Ireland there with the, with the pubs closure, but you can apply it, apply it to almost every aspect of life in that sense, in that it's ultimately, and this this is what I suppose this decision comes down to for a lot, it's the potential survival of businesses against the risk to public health. But while they're open, there actually is going to be a risk of public health because enough people will always go. And, and it's the other side, I mean, we are getting way beyond the football here, I suppose. But um, in, in terms of kind of, some of the government's policies over the last week, I suppose some of that is actually been conditioned by the fact if options are there for people, they'll take them because... Mm, yeah. It, 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 this is a lot that, like, I don't know, Harrogate Town or whatever are getting criticised for this when yeah. the Prime Minister and the government have made a decision not to implement yeah, these policies. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. But by the same token, maybe they shouldn't always have to lean on the, the government to do the, mm. the moral mm. thing, maybe... There is that argument too. That but if the option's available to you and, and you are in yep. dire financial straits, like I can it, see the temptation. Yeah, definitely. It may, it may, have, it may have ensured that they, they kept on X amount of staff for a few weeks or even a few months more than they might otherwise be able to do if football is cancelled for the next few months. So, yeah, you can, you can definitely see why they, they, they stood firm and, and went ahead. Um, finally, really, before we go, um, we wanted to say some words on how we as a sports department are, are kind of planning on, on covering football and other sports during the pandemic. Uh, ben, you're probably best qualified to talk about this. So what, what's, uh, what's the plan, boss? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we said, sort of sport um, pales into insignificance when you're actually talking about a pandemic which is threatening people's lives. So it has to be paramount that we say that from the outset that this trivial sport and these various games that we love to talk about and do player ratings on don't actually matter but then the flip side of that is that it's 
sport to me anyway has always been the sort of the escape from the routine, the sort of the respite from everything else. So at least it gives you two hours every week to look forward to and where you can blissfully ignore all the all the other stuff that you don't want to think about and you get to sort of just finally just erase that um, and it's a, just escape for even if it's just a couple of hours a week. And now people aren't going to have that. So it's, and in a, in a, in a, in many ways you need that respite at this point more than any other time, because if you are, if you have pr- various problems in your life before you've got even more now. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, in a weird way to I've wrote, written today, Use so we we need sport more than ever right now really and sort of it's our whether it it might be trivial right now to sort of write about various bits and bobs, but at a certain point in the next few weeks months there's going to come a time when you need the respite from the constant um, reading about how bad it all is and it's our place to sort of help lighten the gloom in any way that we can. Um, sport's always been the you you read the front page of the bad news and you read the back page of the good news. I've always sort of seen sport that way. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we're going to continue to try and do that. It's uh, There's no easy way to sort of answer the question of how do you cover sport without sport, but it's mm-hmm. something we're working on. Um, the podcast, I know, are going to continue in a sort yep. of slightly different form, and they'll be quite newsy, I feel. Slightly shorter. Slightly shorter, yeah. but we, are going, we aren't going anywhere in that regard. And, um, yeah, we're going to try our best to sort of try and carry on as much as normal, even in, in these most unnormal of times. Great answer. Um it is from, just from a. I said this on the weekend from a slightly nerdy point of view. It is fascinating to see how the industry is going to cope because sports journalism is quite formulaic at the best of times. Yeah, yeah. Well, and now we've just got this unprecedented situation. We're, we're by de- definition diary anchored. Yeah, because it's all just a, a fixture list, and, and it's, it's quite interesting in that sense. Um, I mean, big football. It, this has been a growing dis- uh, debate of the past few years, but. It just doesn't stop. Mm. There's always football. If you want, and Jurgen Klopp's complained about it, Guardiola's complained about it, and now suddenly, <laughs> it's you know ground to a halt. So I think Tony's going to certainly pick up on a few things he's going to write in the next few weeks. In that, in his view, it's the first, um, the sort of first sort of full stop in football since Hillsborough in 1989, where yeah. literally the whole of football had to stop because mm. of what happened, and people can take stock of what actually matters mm. and then try and somehow start again and in a so it's obviously entirely different circumstances but you can see the sort of some of the parallels there mm. um, which is something that Tony's spoken about before um, and like you said yeah it's football never ends and now we're dealing with a world where it actually has so it's going to be yeah there's no sort of easy answers or sort of way out of it all I think it's going to be sort of quite a lot of um, seeing how it's seeing how well, we got on, really. I mean, what is actually incredible as well. I mean, well, th- this is true for the moment. This might cease to be true in a few weeks when all these issues begin to be solved. But the news cycle at the moment is so ridiculously fast. With mm. I suppose Thursday being, I well, I think tomorrow Tuesday could be uh, similar. But Thursday was a classic indication is in which huge headlines that happened earlier in the day by that night were just felt like as if they had been uh, two months ago. Uh, but Thursday is the craziest day I've ever worked because yeah, in terms yeah. of like the amount of news that's breaking and I mean I've not worked in the industry that long about five years but ever since I've worked in the industry and I've always been online focused mm. there's never a bad time to do stuff and yeah. there's you know the, the the best time is now to publish stuff and to mm. engage with stuff and mm. to engage with readers whereas this is a story where there very much is a bad time to be talking about transfer rumours yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. utter shite like that when there's something like this going on mm. and I don't think the industry's ever really had to 
face up to that in the online age at least. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, we do have a few ideas up our sleeve, um, which we'll kind of get cracking on with in the next few weeks. A lot of audience engagement. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to set up a, an email address. We're going to be asking for your opinion on stuff, for your engagement with stuff. So we'll be uh, tweeting those out and plugging those on the pod every week. Uh, but for now, all that's left to say really is thank you. Um, be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date with all that's going to be going on. Um, if you're a new listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. Uh, And we hope you stay healthy and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.